Okay, we're turning to Matthew chapter 17. Matthew chapter 17. Slightly shorter passage than last week, but we're going to read it to start with, and then we'll think about it together. So Matthew chapter 17, and it's verses 1 to 13. Another episode in the life of Jesus, and an episode with some echoes of Exodus for those who uh, were, were watching that series. So Matthew chapter 17, reading from verse 1. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. <clears throat> Never fail to sneeze during the Bible reading. Oh, hay fever. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as the light. Just then, there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it's good for us to be here. If you wish, I'll put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud enveloped them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed them, Don't tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. The disciples asked him, Why then do the teachers of the law say that Elijah must come first? Jesus replied, To be sure, Elijah comes and will restore all things. But I tell you, Elijah has already come, and they did not recognize him, but have done to him everything they wished. In the same way, the Son of Man is going to suffer at their hands. Then the disciples understood that he was talking to them about John the Baptist. Okay, we're finishing there. Uh, let, let's talk about mistaken identity. Mistaken identity. What do you think that means? It means when we mistake someone for someone else, someone they're not. So a few years ago, um, in a, a, an event which has gone into countless sermons, I would guess, uh, a man called Guy Goma arrived at the BBC in London for a, an interview, a job interview. And he was interviewing for a job somewhere in the BBC that had something to do with computers. And as he waited in reception to be picked up and brought to the right place, someone from the BBC, someone who worked there already, arrived in reception to collect a different man called Guy, who was also there that day to give a live interview on the news about a computing story. So poor Guy, he was collected by the wrong person, shown to the wrong room, and he ended up on television, on the news, being interviewed not for a job, but for an expert opinion, and he wasn't the expert. He did his very best to answer the questions, but he wasn't the expert. He was literally the wrong guy, uh, per, per guy. Uh, pardon me. <clears throat> uh, mistaken identity. Now, it's kind of funny, funny and harmless if something like that happens, but what about if we don't mistake people for each other, but we choose to ignore some people and listen to others instead. What if we listen to the wrong people? Um, I hope I'm pronouncing this one right, but 
Roger Boisjoli, Boisjoli uh, was a, a NASA engineer in the 1980s, and he worked on the space shuttles. You know, the ones that look like black and white planes that went up and down to space. And he found evidence that one part of the space shuttle's rocket booster wasn't safe in cold temperatures. And up in space, it's very, very cold. And the managers in charge of those shuttle flights didn't listen to him. And a year later, one of the space shuttles exploded because of that mistake, that flaw. And an investigation later found that NASA managers, the space agency managers, would often ignore the advice uh, of their engineers and scientists, which is just a slightly terrifying thought, isn't it? If we don't recognize the experts, then we might not get to hear the important things that they tell us. And if we ignore the experts, then we definitely won't get to hear the important things they have to tell us. And that's what's uh, happening in, in Matthew's gospel today. He, he, Matthew's telling us we need to recognize Jesus, focus on Jesus, and listen to Jesus. Let's get into the passage and we'll see uh, some of this work out. So the first big idea for today, first of, of three big ideas, is this. Make sure you recognize Jesus. Make sure you recognize Jesus. <clears throat> Last week, we read about Jesus being baptized in the river and then being tested in the desert. And, and when he came back from passing those tests, he gathered 12 disciples around him. He started to teach people about the kingdom of God, and he performed amazing miracles to give people a glimpse into God's kingdom. So God's kingdom is a place where evil doesn't belong. So Jesus got rid of evil spirits. God's kingdom is a place where sickness doesn't belong. So Jesus healed people. And God's kingdom is a place where death doesn't belong. So Jesus even raised a dead girl back to life. All the time, the disciples are amazed at Jesus, and they're trying to understand who he is. Is he a great teacher? Well, yes, he is. Is he a miracle worker? Yes, he is. Is he a really good person? Yeah, he's, he's perfect. He's the best. But is he more than that? Well, yes, he is. And today, they get the chance to see him and recognize him as he really is. Look at the start of, the, of chapter 17 again, Matthew 17. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as the light. Amazing. Have a, have a little think. I want you to think. I want you to picture in your mind a smart, successful person probably not going to help to look around the room. You have to just imagine, uh, imagine, what does a smart, successful person look like? Any ideas, any, any thoughts? What does a smart and successful person look like? Tell me about their clothes. They wear a suit, yeah. Or maybe like a, well, yeah, they wear like smart clothes, don't they? Anything else? Tell me about their hair always neat. What about, um, are they <laughs> do you think a, do you think a smart, uh, if you imagine a smart and stylish and, and successful person, is that person tall? Is that person uh, slim, healthy? Um, or, or do you ever watch the news? Maybe by accident, sometimes you turn over to the news. What do people look like who read the news? always very well dressed, aren't they? They've always got a nice haircut, even in the middle of COVID. Uh, they've somehow managed to get sorted out. 
Um, they, they look very smart and very respectable, and they sound very clever. Well, Jesus did not look like a newsreader or a smart and successful business person. He looked very ordinary. He was an ordinary Middle Eastern man. Isaiah says he had no beauty or majesty to draw people to us and make us pay attention. He's just an ordinary man. And Jesus was from the north of the country. And if we know anything about the north of a country, it's a place where people have strange accents. That's, that's true in Ireland. Um, and it's true in England, where we used to live. And I, I, maybe if we weren't on YouTube, I would attempt to imitate a Geordie accent, but I never really managed to get it uh, off pat, so I'm not going to go on the record with that one. It's very difficult to do, but I'll tell you this. People with Geordie accents don't read the national news for the BBC. Uh, people with very thick northern accents don't read the news, no matter which country we're in. But here on the mountain, Jesus gives his disciples a look at what he's really like. His face shone and his clothes became bright as light, like the lights uh, just above my head here. Jesus is the son of God who came as a human being to live and teach and die and rise from the dead for us. He was there before the universe was created. He was with God and he is God. He made the world. He was there with Adam and Eve. He was there with Moses at the Exodus. And when he comes again, he's going to look different as well. So in the very last book of the Bible, uh, Revelation, John has a vision of Jesus, and this is what he sees. John says, uh, describing Jesus, I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe reaching down to his feet and with a golden sash around his chest. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp double-edged sword." His face was like, the sun, was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. Well, wow. Jesus is amazing. He's, he's brilliant. But, but Paul says he came as a human being and he took on the nature of a servant. He disguised himself, uh, just like you might put on a disguise or a costume. Jesus hid his glory, becoming a, an ordinary local man, probably with a strange northern accent. But we need to make sure that we recognize Jesus. Just because someone gets a good haircut or dresses in smart clothes or just because they're tall or slim or has this or, this or that skin color, none of that means that they're the right person to listen to and to follow. So let's make sure we recognize Jesus. When he comes back, we're going to see him brilliant and bright as the coming king and we'll know that we were right to recognize him. Uh, we're going to see that fancy haircuts and clothes aren't important. We need to recognize the one who is God in the flesh. So make sure you recognize Jesus. That's our first lesson for today. Uh, next, make sure you focus on Jesus. Make sure you focus on Jesus. Let's read a little bit more. So this is verse 2. Jesus' face shone like the sun, and his clothes became, uh, became as white as the light. And just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Now, this is pretty strange, because by the time Jesus came along, Moses and Elijah had both been dead for hundreds of years. It would be like St. Patrick or Brian Baru or somebody walking through the door today. 
I don't know how Peter and James and John knew that the two men were Moses and Elijah. I guess Jesus maybe said, hello, Moses. Hello, Elijah. Uh, nice to see you again. Maybe he even introduced them. Oh, this is, this is Peter and this is James and this is John, the brother of Jay. These guys are brothers. And uh, guys, this is, this is Moses and this is Elijah. That'd be pretty amazing, wouldn't it? Uh, Moses, the great leader of God's people in old times uh, and the messenger of God's law, and Elijah, the great prophet who taught God's word to the people. It would have been super exciting for the disciples. And Peter didn't want the experience to end. He wants them to, to camp out and to stay together. So Peter says in verse 4, Lord, it's, it's good for us to be here. If you wish, I'll put up three shelters or tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. This is great. We've got some big hitters now on our team. Uh, Moses and Elijah, wow. Let's all stay together. And then maybe they'll come with us and, and everyone's going to be so impressed. Everyone will listen to Jesus with these guys. But they don't stay. Look at verse 5. While Peter was still speaking, a bright cloud enveloped them. And a voice from the cloud said, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. So the disciples need to learn that, yes, it was amazing to see Moses and Elijah, but it was most amazing to be with Jesus. Um, Moses and Elijah sum up the whole history of God's people and God's word, the law and the prophets, but they're just the warm-ups for Jesus. If you go to see a really famous musician or a band that has come to play their music in some huge hall or stadium, sometimes they have a warm-up group. Um, it's another band, probably one that you haven't heard of because they're not as big, not as famous, and they play a few songs just before the famous band comes on stage, and it helps the fans to get to know a new band and maybe helps them to get famous too. Moses and Elijah, amazing as they are, are just the warm-ups for Jesus. Jesus is the main event. When, when trains were first invented, they were very, very slow. But even though they were so slow, they were thought to be very dangerous. In fact, uh, off the top of my head, I think there was a, a theory among scientists that if a human being went over about 30 miles per hour, they'd just explode or something. Uh, it, would, it would be a disaster. But, uh, but trains were even slower than that to begin with. And so when a train would come into town, a place where lots of people were uh, maybe walking about and crossing the tracks without knowing what they were doing because they'd never heard of trains, uh, there was a man whose job it was to walk in front of the train waving a red flag and shouting to everyone that a train was coming. And the train was coming just about as slow as he was walking. Well, Moses and Elijah, and last week, John the Baptist... These are all like men with the red flags, telling people that Jesus is coming. Moses and Elijah came to speak with Jesus to show that he really is God's son, to show that, God, that Jesus' death on the cross really is God's plan. Peter wanted Moses and Elijah to stay, but they had to fade into the background. They had to go off the stage because now was the time at last for Jesus. It'd be really strange to go to a big concert and listen to the warm-up band, and then go home without watching the superstar. It would be silly if we focused on the wrong band or the wrong person. And there are lots of wise and amazing people in the world with lots of important things to say. And, and in the Bible, 
there's lots to learn from the Old Testament, from the times of Moses and Elijah and King David and all the others. But God shows us Jesus as he really is and says, this is my son. Listen to him. He's the one we need to listen to. And when we read the Old Testament, we need to think how it points us to Jesus and tells us about him. Make sure you focus on Jesus. So in in our Exodus series, uh, grown-ups, we saw lots of pointers to Jesus. Moses and three other guys, Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, they went up a high mountain, uh, just like Jesus and the three disciples with him. Uh, There they saw God, just as the disciples see Jesus as he really is. When Moses spoke with God, his face would shine from being with God in his bright glory. Well, here Jesus' face shines with its own glory because he is God. God the Son. Luke says, uh, when he recounts this episode, that Jesus um, spoke with Moses and Elijah about his exodus that he was going to perform. And just like Moses, Jesus comes down from this mountain in verse 14 to find that his followers have been faithless and unable to restrain evil, but he is starting an exodus, a long-awaited escape from the land of slavery uh, into a new world, um, a world where the multitude of faith find freedom. Maybe that doesn't make some sense to some of the younger ones listening, but the point is that when we read the Old Testament, we need to let it point us forward to Jesus, because when Jesus comes, all the old stories fade into the background a little bit, and we focus on Jesus, the main man. So make sure you focus on Jesus. So make sure you recognize Jesus, make sure you focus on Jesus, and then lastly, the very best way to do that is to make sure you listen to Jesus. Make sure you listen to Jesus. Um, Verse 5, while he was still speaking, Peter, a bright cloud enveloped them, and a voice from the cloud said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. It can be a a disaster if you listen to the wrong voice. Uh, I don't know if anyone's seen Disney's The Little Mermaid. Anyone seen that? It's like my favorite film, my favorite, no, it's not really, but we watched it a lot because I have a sister. Disney's The Little Mermaid. She meets, she doesn't know anything about the human world, but she meets a seagull. And of course, seagulls hang around the sea, but they also hang around the land. So seagulls would know about people, wouldn't they? So she listens to this seagull and she brings the seagull different bits and bobs that she's found in a shipwreck uh, to to ask the seagull, what is this and, and what is this? And she asks about a fork. What's that? I forget what he calls it, a wangdoodle or something. And, and he says, oh, humans use that for combing their hair. And so she starts to comb her hair with this fork. But then later on, she's having dinner with Prince Eric in the royal palace. And when she sits down at the table and sees a knife and fork, she thinks, oh, fork, and starts combing her hair at dinner with the prince. And everyone around the table is just thinking, oh, this is a strange girl. So you don't want to listen to the wrong voice. The seagull didn't know anything about people and their bits and bobs and wang doodles and combs and forks. Now, I don't know about you. I don't often listen to seagulls. I hear a lot of rooks, but I don't often listen to seagulls. But here's another voice. Here's a little poem by someone called Shel Silverstein. Here's a little, vo- a little poem. It says this. There is a voice inside of you that whispers all day long, I feel this is right for me. I know that this is wrong. No teacher, preacher, parent, friend, or wise man can decide what's right for you. Just listen to the voice that speaks inside. 
What do you think about that? Don't listen to parents or teachers or pastors or anybody wise. Just listen to yourself. Hmm. Lots of people will tell us to do that, and it's in all our favorite stories as well, characters who learn to listen to the voice inside, and everything turns out brilliantly because of that. But I think in real life, when people listen only to themselves, it makes them selfish. And when everyone is the boss of themselves, it leads to fighting with other people who are the boss of themselves. I try using that poem as a wedding vow. Don't listen to other people. Listen to the voice inside for what's right for you. I don't think that's going to be a happy marriage. It's going to be a lot of fighting. God says, this is my son. Listen to him. He's God. He made us. He loves us enough to die for us. And he's the one to listen to. Let's just read the rest of the passage and then just a couple of remarks about what is going on in the conversation at the end. So from, from verse 9, as they come down, as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed them, don't tell anyone what you've seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. And the disciples asked him, why then do the teachers of the law say that Elijah must come first? So they're a bit confused about something. And verse 11, Jesus replied, to be sure, Elijah comes and will restore all things. But I tell you, Elijah has already come. And they didn't recognize him, but have done to him everything they wished. In the same way, the Son of Man is going to suffer at their hands. Then the disciples understood that he was talking to them about John the Baptist. What, what does all this mean? Well, it means that people didn't recognize John the Baptist as the new Elijah, announcing the coming of God's king like the man with the red flag in front of the train. They didn't recognize John the Baptist. And that meant they didn't listen to him, and they're not going to recognize the one he's pointing to, Jesus. And then John the Baptist was arrested and killed because they wouldn't listen to him. And so Jesus will be arrested and killed, but he will rise from the dead. That's when everyone will understand. He's God. He made us. He loves us enough to die for us. He rose from the dead to be our king, and he's the one to listen to. So what are we learning today in Matthew's gospel? Make sure you recognize Jesus. He's the son of God. Make sure you focus on Jesus. He's the one the whole Bible points to and the whole world needs. And to focus on him, make sure you listen to Jesus, the one sent by God to die for us and give us true life forever. Let's pray. Uh, and then uh, I'll read maybe a couple more text messages and then we'll go home. Let's pray. Father, thank you for revealing Jesus to these three disciples, and thank you for revealing him to us. Thank you for opening our eyes to his glory, his grace, and his love, while we were still stubbornly holding those eyes closed and turned away from you. Thank you for warming up our cold hearts and breathing life into us, even while we were dead in sin. And Father, in this world of, of noise and competing voices, help us to recognize Jesus for who he is, for his voice that's not like any others, a voice of authority, the Son of God, a voice of love, love that took him to the cross for us. And help us to focus on him. May he increase in our affections and our wills. Help us to listen to him, hearing him speak and obeying him. 
And we finish with an old prayer that says, Almighty God, whose Son was revealed in majesty before he suffered death upon the cross, give us grace to see his glory, that we may be strengthened to suffer with him and be changed into his likeness from glory to glory. He who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.